0: All right. Well, welcome to week eight of Greatest Story Ever Retold. Today, Aaron and I are joined by
1: Eric Tafritti, who's one of our elders.
2: Hey, guys. Good to be here. Second time. Second time. Yeah.
1: we yeah. re- 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 technically the first for talking now on the That's true. Yeah. you're just I, an I, elder I, panel on the other one.
2: I feel the pressure now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How long have you been an elder here?
2: Uh, let's see. How long have we uh, Day one? been doing church? You're also on our board of directors. Yes. The secretary of the board. Yes. Nice. So, well, thank you for
0: all of that. <clears throat> My um, pleasure. Uh, so this message is called Water from Rocks, Blood from Stones. And Aaron, would you mind explaining what that means?
1: A couple of years ago, we were going through a series in the summer called Miracles. And what I did is I walked through a couple of the miracles of the Red Sea and the manna. And Eric actually did the plagues in Egypt, right? Yes. And I never got to a couple of those, and they came back up again. We started doing the retold series because there's really a way to look at all of those things as they all point to Jesus, the patience of God, what he does in our lives. And so as as we're going through today, this looking at God bringing water out of a rock to quench the people's thirst, what's going to happen is Moses is going to bring down this rod of judgment upon this rock, Uh, as the people complain, because they want to put Moses on trial. But instead of Moses being on trial, God stands in that place for Moses and the people. And then you get to the New Testament, and the New Testament tells us that that rock that Moses brings his rod down upon is actually Christ. And the whole the whole story brings us to a place where we understand that God is pointing to the ultimate redemption and salvation that he was going to do in Jesus himself.
0: In the message you said, this shows us two things. Salvation, there's a decisive aspect to it, and there's also a process to salvation. Would you guys mind explaining that a little bit more and, and what that looks like in your life?
1: Or had looked like in your life? So the decisive aspect of salvation is the moment of belief. That's, I believe now here in your life is July 2nd, 1987. It's when I believed in Jesus, right? So I, you know, got that decisive moment. But the process is how God works with us every day. In, In Christianity, we call this sanctification. It's how God works and moves in our lives in contact with other people to make us more conformed to the image and likeness of his son. And that's a day-by-day that's a day process. You can take the people out of slavery in an instant, but the slavery only comes out of the people through a process as your mind starts to leave the idea of what slavery is into being truly a free person and what freedom now means for your life.
2: I think that's one of the really difficult things as believers, especially new believers, to come to grips with because we place our faith in Christ and we're told that, okay, we're now saved. So justification, it takes place in a moment. But we don't always feel saved, and what we go through in life, and you know our failures, uh, they keep pointing us back to the fact that we're not completely yeah. redeemed. We're not completely saved in the sense that you know we're, we're perfect. And that Uh, leads to a lot
1: of things with people, too. It's always like, well, am I really saved because I keep doing these things? a lot of doubts. Yeah, understanding the difference between the positional salvation versus the day-by-day working out. What is that in Hebrews? He is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Right. And so it's the positional versus the
2: sanctification and that's where the rubber meets the road and where we really you know wrestle with this idea of working out our salvation you know that god is the one actually doing the work but we're participating in that and so this whole process of sanctification it can be uh painful at times <laughs> <laughs> as the israelites know i liked what you said um in the message about you know our memory you know long term short term memory and how the, the bad things we tend to have a quick recall, mm-hmm. and the good things we tend to forget, or they they kind of fade. And so, all the good things that that God did for the Israelites, yeah, where did that go? It kind mm-hmm. of just they pushed it to the back, and, and the bad things are right in the front.
1: They are in in the desert. What did they just have for breakfast?
2: Yeah, manna.
1: Yeah, yeah, what did they pick up from the ground just that morning? Yeah, yeah. It's only oh, just manna. I'm gonna kill that guy because there's no water. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. it. It's, it's, it's so like us. I mean, God could have, we, we wake up in the morning, you know, the Jews would have that prayer, you know, thank you God for every day they got up, they thank God for their life that morning that, that they're alive and mm-hmm. to remind them of who God is. And we get up in the mornings and we don't thank God for us even opening our eyes. Mm-hmm. And that negative thing comes at us and we're like, ah, oh, we don't think of all the good things he constantly does. Mm-hmm. And if we did, it would probably change how we interact.
2: Well, that's unfortunate because we should, right? We should. We should be taking that that. time. (laughs) I mean,
1: but I'm not the best at that either.
2: I mean, well, nobody is. But I think if we were a little more intentional, we probably would uh, have less fear, mm -hmm. less anxiety as we go through life, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the the
1: mundaneness of life. Like, I I will, you know, I I live two and a half miles from here. Mm -hmm. I will hop in my truck and start to head home and there are these three lights down here and it's like no one knows how to drive through those lights and so i'm just <laughs> like oh and then i and then i get to that third light and then they don't know how to drive through old orchid and then they don't know how we're supposed to, and then and it's like the the speed limit is 45 here why no, nobody
2: going? seems to know how to drive around you for some that's reason right, that's right yeah. but,
1: but i get so caught up in this of me just trying to get home and and i don't even think first i have a car that i'm able to, to drive home uh i have a home that i can actually
0: go to yeah. but obviously god uses those things like that's planned right designed by god so i I'm, the manna every morning god could have done different things mm-hmm. right but he does the mundane he does that thing is it designed so that that
1: they will grumble well i always think if, if i just had enough money or if i just had this or that well, i always worry about that if I didn't have to think or worry about or take care of anything in my life. What would I be?
2: That terrifies me. I mean, we see examples of that. Mm -hmm. You know, people who have fame at a young age and money at a young age, and they go off the rails. I'm pretty sure I'd go off the rails. Yeah. You know.
0: Eric, for uh, maybe a lot of people don't know you, Mm -hmm. would you mind kind of sharing your your testimony, your your story of of that decisive moment of of salvation that that God brought?
2: Uh, Well, yeah. So quickly, I, I, I grew up uh, believing in God. Uh, spent a lot of time with my grandparents, who, my grandmother, you know, taught me to believe in God to pray at a very young age. So I had that in my, you know, consciousness, if you will. Um, then kind of went off the rails. Was pretty independent as a kid. Got into a lot of trouble, and um, got involved with, you know, things that uh, I, I shouldn't have. And as a teenager. I was invited to a church, Harvest Christian Fellowship, down in Riverside, and uh, I heard the gospel for the first time. And there was an altar call, and it just clicked. I just knew that you know I needed Christ, and I, I walked that aisle. And from that point forward, uh, my life was different—not always great, but different, you know, change. And so that was the decisive moment for me, you know. And then the whole process of sanctification took place after that.
1: Is there a time in your life where you where you questioned if your initial commitment to Christ was actually real because of like, oh, look at my life and the dumb things I do? and do ever...
2: I think early on, yeah, or early on, you know, after I would sin or fall, then I would wonder, you know, how could I do that? Do I really love God? I must not love God because how could I do this if I love God? And I'm so, grumbling, I'm quarreling. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or just you know, flat out rebelling, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So I, I've had many moments like that, um, and I think that those doubts were probably not super deep; that they were just enough to, you know, cause turmoil in me. Yeah.
0: What for both of you? wet traffic? I
1: think is one for you, big time. Um, I just use it because I think everybody can relate to it. Not necessarily yeah. that. I mean, it's it's not my big. Well, my wife would say it's my big thing. Every time I drive, she's like, "You, you break late, you take off fast." <laughs>
2: Type
0: <laughs> so what what things do you guys find yourself grumbling against kind of what what's a go-to for you that that oh. God uses for well I guess, it education? <laughs> I guess it would be traffic
1: and driving that
2: I can't think of anything personally that I I grumble about that I really think about and I grumble I think for me the grumbling is probably less verbal if you will if I feel dissatisfied mm-hmm. let's say in, in a relationship or something like that. My grumbling may take the form of uh, um, acting in ways that um, you know are not healthy, mm-hmm. and so um, my grumbling would probably look like just dis- dissatisfaction with um, either with people or situations, mm-hmm. and, and not seeing the bigger picture. You know that God has provided. Uh, those as grace in my life, you know, those uh, as um, to help in my sanctification process to grow, if you will. Um, so it's short-sighted, self-focused, and that, that's, that's when I grumble when I'm looking at myself, you know, when I'm not looking at God and all that He has provided. We have rights, and we also have responsibility, and what responsibilities do we have as God's children? To drive yeah, better. Tough. <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: Teach others to drive better. <laughs> yeah. You grumble against the government. You yeah. Know, and, and the laws they're passing, you grumble against, uh, my favorite TV show wasn't on this week, or it ended on a cliffhanger. Why would they do that? Well, you can't can't it, or they canceled it. They canceled it. We're just always grumbling about such little things.
2: Ultimately, God be long-suffering with those who you know rebelled and rejected Him. And he was still patient with them, and even, you know, right. bore that judgment on himself. Um, but we tend to be impatient with other people. And I think if we took our eyes off ourselves and we looked at God more, we would have more patience and right. more, more consideration for other people.
0: So let's talk about God's justice so a bit and, and what we deserve, and and how He meets
2: our needs. Take it back to the to the crux of the gospel. I mean, God taking our judgment, basically. That was a big part of it, you know, and that's mm. that's pretty important.
1: Paul you know. looks at that as as the guy who knows the Old Testament Scriptures as well as he does and sees this and puts it together with the Messiah that he has come to know and love and say, this is this. Right. And seeing all those things. I mean, he talks about Moses' veil. He talks about, you know, all the things that seem to them so...
2: Yeah, and like, yeah. well,
1: what is this? What's going on here? And yeah, boom. And Paul's able to take it all and show us who Christ is through it. I think it's just it's simply astounding.
2: And that and that idea of, um, you know, God God taking their judgment there, striking the rock, which was Christ, and then meeting their immediate need—that water flowing, that refreshing—you know—and so in every way, God met their needs in. I mean, it's a powerful picture, right, of how God meets our needs both practically and spiritually as well. And just a few
1: chapters later, what are they doing? They're throwing their earrings into a fire to make a golden calf be like, we're going to worship this. Why would you worship that?
2: Yeah, that's, that's the part that can be disillusioning, right, yeah. because it— it looks so much like us. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like,
1: God. we think it doesn't look like us when we oh, read the story. I know. Every time we look in the scriptures, we try to picture ourselves as I'm like God or I'm like Jesus, I'm the good guy, and yeah. not realizing, no, we're the knuckleheads. Yeah.
0: Why does people, do we either forget that we deserve God's wrath, justice, um, or do we have a hard time coming to that? Because really, I think those who are Christians who don't have a good grasp of that, they waver in faith more than those who have a deeper understanding of what we deserve because of sin. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how how do you help walk people alongside, how do you help walk alongside people in understanding I send to Mike (laughs) Harmon?
2: No,
1: no, no, because you're you're talking about that. And that totally reminds me, because that's Mike Harmon, right? He understands what he deserves And he's just always like, and, and, and that I think is why he's kind to so many people because he realizes what he deserves. I think many times when I'm not kind, it's because I'm not realizing what I deserve, Mm -hmm. but I, it's, but it is good when you get to sit down with people and after you talk for a bit and you realize that all of their focus is upon themselves. And then you can say that, well, your focus is all right here and that's, you know, part of the larger issue. With couples in, in my office for marriage counseling, that's, it typically comes back to that. You're, you're both looking at the other person thinking the other person is the problem. Mm-hmm. And it maybe took a step back and said, well, what if I'm the problem? What would I need to change? Not that we're the greatest at it.
2: I can be so sensitive to that that my, my kids sometimes get mad at me because they'll complain about something, and I will always take the other side. Whether I believe it or not, I'm always like, because I know there is always another side. There's always something that I don't see. And I know. So,
1: you do that sometimes when I talk to you. You're like, well, what about it? I'm like, just be on my side right now. Really. I, why? That's
2: what they say. That's what my wife says sometimes, you know, if there's a conflict. Oh, it's like, Well,
1: I'm on your side.
2: Yeah. <laughs> But isn't it the truth, though? There is always another side, and we all have blind spots, and we, and we can't always see the other person's perspective. So there has to be some, mm-hmm. some dialogue there, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I lived long enough to know that um, there's something I'm missing, probably, mm-hmm. and I want to explore what that is.
0: How do we stop being so myopic? And, and even if we understand God's, God's um, what we deserve, right, yeah. the wrath we deserve— I think if we live in that only, that's not good either. So how, yeah. do, how do people turn to the rejoice and taste
1: what God has done? So looking at what we talked about the last couple of weeks. You know, you got the honor and shame, you know, collectivist culture mm-hmm. versus the individualistic culture. And I think this is a great way to talk about how those both come together. Because yes. the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts in it. But also we have a community around us who speaks to us. And so I think it's both those things coming together to teach us how we are seeing things and, and how to move forward in that. Because it is listening to God's Spirit, but it's also listening to them. And it's not just listening to them, it's also listening to God's Spirit. It's how these things come together. So we must immerse ourselves in a community who can pray for us and point things out to us and walk with us through these things.
2: And I think we have to, we have to see that God actually took our judgment upon himself. And we have to believe that. You know, and um, from a personal point of view, you know, I can go back in time and and point to a specific time where I realized I was an unbeliever in the Mm -hmm. sense that I didn't believe that God's justice was good enough or big enough for me. We have to ask ourselves, you know, when we see a picture of, you know, God taking that judgment upon himself or Christ taking our judgment and giving us his righteousness, do we really believe it? Mm -hmm. I think if we really believe it, it it changes everything. You know, do we believe the gospel? Because that changes how we live. That changes um, how we deal with fear and anxiety, doubts about our faith. It changes all of those things. And for, I would dare say, for a lot of people, we really don't believe it all that much. And sometimes it takes, you know, crisis moments to bring us to that place where we we see where our faith is. You know, God, I I do believe, but help my unbelief Mm -hmm. because it's there. Would you
1: say that? We believe in Jesus, but we don't believe the gospel.
2: Definitely at times, Mm -hmm. you know. um, Yeah. We we let fear override our faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And this is why Element, we spend a lot of time talking about who Jesus is, what he has done. And we hit over and over just who we are because of sin, but also what we deserve. uh, But the goodness of uh, that that God gives in, in his forgiveness uh, in 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 meeting our needs on our behalf when we absolutely can't um, and and so we always strive to do that so that you can understand who you are without God and because of his goodness who you are uh, in his grace, which is why we do this which is why partly why we do this yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, so if you have any questions about all, any of that if you if you need people to to walk alongside of you and help you see uh uh where you grumble and and and, and what sin has caused uh, and how god has met your needs uh, reach out to us um anyways we will be back next week uh, as we have one more week of great story ever retold before we hit uh, a new series so see you next week
1: So, I I want to say it before I forget. You can move this somewhere if it's to itch you need to. So, this is going to be really good. Ready? So, (laughs) if I say so myself. Humble. Yeah, humble. Humble Aaron.